This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's going on, podcast people? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Thursday, June 21st, 2018. I am Patrick Moran. On today's show, and man, I'm pumped about today's show. I'll be joined by one of the original hires of the brand new Athletic Buffalo. Chris Baker joins the podcast today. We're going to talk about the Athletic and what it means now that they started a brand new Buffalo section. I mean, it's game on, Bills and Sabre fans. There's a new major player in the Buffalo sports media market, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. We'll talk about how the opportunity came about for Chris. And here's a spoiler alert. It was the athletic that approached him. I asked him why he agreed to do it, what he'll be doing there, and what his thoughts are in the Buffalo staff they put together. And like I said, the competition that's going to ensue between the athletic and the Buffalo news. I think it's going to be great. And I think it's great for all sports fans who like reading about Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo Bills stuff. Simple as that. Of course, Chris is going to give us plenty of insight on the Buffalo Sabres and especially Rasmus Dahlin, who officially will become a Sabre in a couple days. Trust me, you're going to want his analysis on Rasmus and a bunch of other Sabres, including some of their top prospects. It's great stuff. I'm dead serious when I say this. I've done, I think, yeah, 31 of these episodes now, and Chris Baker was my favorite interview to date. You're going to get a straight-up education on Rasmus Dahlin. That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Even if you're pissed at the Sabres for being so shitty these past couple years, and trust me, I am more than anyone. I literally stopped watching the games last year. Just couldn't deal with watching them play anymore. It felt like it was sucking the life out of me. Anyway, hearing what Chris has to say about Dahlin, it's going to get you excited about watching this team play again. Can't wait to bring you this interview. Immediately after that, I'll be debuting a brand new recurring segment on this show when Joe from Buffalo Winds pops on and we debut The Running with Joe. Today we have a lengthy discussion on the Buffalo sports media. What kind of shape is the Buffalo News in after all these recent departures? What do they need to do to win back a lot of their fans? Because let's face it, they're definitely losing some fans, especially over these past couple months. What is the role of Twitter, and do people from Buffalo Media use it wisely, or are they stupid with it? How big of a threat is the new athletic to the future of the Buffalo News? 
What's up with that feud between Mike Harrington and Tim Graham? Man, that got ugly on Monday, by the way. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Lastly, will Joe learn to not bang on the table when hammering home a point while we're taping our segment? Probably not. We hit on that stuff and much more. And let's just say if Joe was getting paid by the word, my ass would be dead broke right now. Seriously though, he's a great guy to have on here because he has some really unbiased hot takes. He doesn't play favorites. He says what's on his mind. And I think this podcast needs something like that. So I got a packed show and I'm not going to waste any more time here at the top. Here's my interview with Sabres prospect founder and new athletic Buffalo contributing writer, Chris Baker, followed by the running with Joe. My guest today is widely known as the man when it comes to Buffalo Sabres prospects. My guest today is also now a contributing writer for the brand new Athletic Buffalo, where he joins an elite team of Buffalo writers that are ready to change the landscape of Buffalo sports content and the way it's read for sure. I'm talking about Chris Baker. What's going on, Chris? How you doing, buddy? Doing very well. You know, it's been a uh, pretty interesting week to be up here as a media guy in Buffalo, to say the least. But uh, doing doing great, doing great. The weather's nice, and uh, we have a draft coming up, so it's a fun week. First of all, like I said, thanks for taking some time. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind for you, you know, with uh, the athletic stuff and, of course, the draft. You know, I like I said, I already had you booked for this podcast quite a while ago. We planned on talking, you know, Sabres and the draft, stuff like that. And obviously, we're still going to do that. But given the big news that came down Monday, I got to ask you, how did this opportunity with the athletic come about? You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think that Myrtle out of Toronto and some of the other athletic guys were hinting that they were coming to Buffalo. And, um, you know, I, I'm not one to campaign or anything like that. You know what I mean? I just try to stay in my lane and, and grind away. There's plenty of work to do. You know, there's not a lot of time to make yourself, uh, you know, put yourself out there or anything like that. This was an opportunity really where um, they came to me. And it was very unexpected. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know, I've never, you know, I've always been an independent. I started out, you know, doing my own thing. And, you know, through time, gradually was uh, fortunate enough to be given different platforms to work off of. But this was something where I, I just, I got a, um, a DM on Twitter one day asking me for my number. Didn't really understand what was going on until uh, I had a call the next day from uh, Paul Fichtenbaum, who's the chief content officer with The Athletic, and reviewed their plans and what they were looking to accomplish in this market. And it was, um, you know, very, very flattering and humbling when they asked me to be a part of the team. And um, yeah, it was it was just uh, really unexpected, Pat, to be honest with you, but something that I, I was was eager to engage it doesn't surprise people who have followed you for a long time. Now, you're kind of like, you know, you've had that niche following for a long time because of what you focus on and you do it so well, better than anyone else. And I think anyone will say that it's not even close. But, you know, Monday was a it was not only a big day for the athletic, it's a big day for you as well. Because, you know, one by one, names started dropping that were joining the Buffalo Athletic. And this kind of came out of nowhere, at least for people, you know, who weren't already in the know, you know, from John Vogel 
to Matt Fairborn, and then, you know, the big one with Tim Graham. And then, of course, you, as well as Eric Turner, Ryan Stimson. So for you personally, you know, someone who's not so much used to the mainstream attention, what was it like for you to get that game-changing news go public and have you be, you know, kind of the center of attention for a day like that? It was, um, it was really overwhelming, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I think historically, you know, throughout my life, even whether it's, you know, doing what I do now with prospects or just anything else, playing sports, you know, you, 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 you never get used to handling compliments, you know, and there were a lot of people that provided uh, just a ton of support when this was launched yesterday. And it was, like I said, it was really overwhelming. I think that's really the only word that you can use to explain it. Um, I don't think it really, I, I don't think I understood what the athletic brand represented to Buffalo sports fans until the news came out and they announced the team. And um, it was just a, a really kind of crazy day. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I had to shut Twitter for a while because it was just <laughs> kind of, you know, do you say thank you? You know, how do you, you know what I mean? There were, there were tweets where, you know, people were saying, gosh, you know, I want to subscribe just, uh, you know, to, to follow what you write. And that's probably the greatest compliment you can give, um, you know, from a reader. And I, I, I still am having a hard time really expressing the, just the outpouring of uh, just positive reaction to the news. So overwhelming, Pat, is probably the only way that I can really explain yesterday. Well, I mean, you fooled me, man, because like I said at the top here, I had you booked for this episode long before the athletic news broke on Monday, and I talked to you a couple of days ago, and you told me this was going to be, and, and these are your words here, this is going to be an interesting week. You know, man, I, I thought you were talking exclusively about the Sabres in the draft. I had no clue. So hats off to you. You kept the secret. It's, it's a big secret. How many people did you tell about this before it became public? <laughs> well, what's funny is that, you know, we as teammates now didn't even really know. Um, the athletic wasn't really telling you who else had committed. Um, but, you know, when I when I made the commitment and, and signed the contract, I told my girlfriend and my brother. And that was really it, because um, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I had a draft preview that I needed to write. <laughs> and right. this was going to be my first piece for the athletic where I just really wanted to zero in on the content. Um, I think there's a, a lot of responsibility now that comes with being part of this organization where, you know, you are um, expected to bring, you're expected to bring the heat. You're expected to bring your A game. So there really wasn't a lot of time to like, you know, quote unquote, celebrate this or, you know, tell a lot of people. And really, frankly, the Athletic, I think, wanted us to keep it under wraps as well. They wanted to really make this a launch that took people by surprise. And I think that uh, we collectively accomplished our mission. How long did you know ahead of time that you were going to be doing this? You know, this is really about uh, a week and a half. You know, things came together pretty quickly where, um, you know, I think from the Athletic standpoint, they really didn't start to assemble their team until you know, there was a departure from their headliners from the Buffalo News. Right. You know, so the, the dominoes really started to fall there. So if you look at the timeline, I mean, they weren't, uh, you know, I think, you know, from a hierarchy perspective, they need to lock up their main guy. And when they got John, they started going and, and building the team around him. So it was really about, you know, 10 to maybe 14 days max. Like I said, it's been kind of a whirlwind, but it hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of time between uh, that first call and the launch. Now, on Saturday night, I know that you, 
John, Tim, and Matt went out Saturday, you know, to celebrate and plan a little bit. Was that the first time all four of you guys were together at the same time? <laughs> you know, the irony of that is that we were out uh, a couple weeks before that at a bar in Orchard Park celebrating John's last day at the Buffalo News. Oh, okay. So, you know, Tim came out. That was the first time I had met Matthew Fairburn. And, um, you know, but this athletic whole thing was not really discussed. This was just about John. Congratulations. You know, we all aspire one day, I think, to get a buyout, maybe on our terms, you know, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know what I mean? But no, I mean, that, that second meeting there, we were out on Saturday before the launch. It was really about how do we nail this? Um, there's going to be great expectations. You know, how do we make this the best experience for the readers? And we just did some planning talked about some ideas for content and it was a really um it it it, it was a new experience for me because i've never really been part of a team to be honest with you so that was um a really cool experience and these are talented talented guys pat i mean i know you've talked to tim in the past and i don't know if you've talked to john or matt fairburn but what a what a great amount of talent that was um at that table that I was just kind of, you know, listening and, and trying to just, you know, chime in <laughs> with something of substance to that conversation. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. Yeah. Tim was on my podcast very early. I've had Matt Fairborn on my podcast. He's a great guy. I got you now. In fact, I got John coming on in a couple of weeks. So I've got to work to all you guys, you know, into this podcast. And I've known <laughs> Tim, you know, not out of like, personal friendship level, but I've known him for quite a while. And he's always been very helpful to me with a lot of blogging and things I've done. He's always been in combination with stuff like that. Now, I don't want to get into any of the ugliness of a few things that, you know, took place on Twitter on Monday after the announcement. But one thing that is obvious is that battle lines are being drawn right now. And there's going to be some serious competition for eyeballs and mouse clicks going forward between the Buffalo News and the Athletic. I mean, you know, even if you don't have a horse in this race, don't you think the real winner in this right now are the sports fans? Because I think it's going to push both sides to produce really good content on a consistent, regular basis. You know what I mean? There's not, and I'm not knocking the Buffalo News whatsoever by saying this, but forever, they've been the only game, major game in town when it comes to print or, or to reading, I should say. That's changed now. With the additions that the Buffalo Athletic has, there's some legitimate competition right now for eyeballs. So I think that the real winner in all this is definitely the sports fan. No, and I agree with you. I mean, I mean, Pat, I'm a consumer too. You know what I mean? And I, I definitely see it through the lens of the reader. And look, in Buffalo, we have an insatiable fan base. They can't get enough Bills coverage and Sabres coverage. And, and frankly, you know, they demand more UB coverage. And, you know, sure. it, it, it cascades down to you know, Canisius and St. Bonaventure, what have you. I mean, this is just the beginning of um, uh, what I would consider a healthy competition. I think that there are, though, two entities that are going in different directions. And I think it's important for us on the side of the athletic to just stay the course with our content. You know, it, it will, if I talk about a meeting that we had on Saturday and, and coming up with a plan, it's all about executing that plan. Um, I'm not concerned, you know, really, you know, from my perspective, as a guy who's really going to be primarily covering prospects, I just want to stay in my lane <clears throat> and produce the best content. And it's a different type of content now that I'll be producing moving forward, where it's not about player X did this. There's stories that kind of work into what the philosophy is of the athletic. I'm embracing that. Um, but I'm really focused on what we're going to do, 
how we're going to produce the best content. But I agree with you. I mean, the Buffalo fans are, are going to win out of this because with competition should bring out the best of both sides. Absolutely. There's no question about that. So, you know, I, without getting into too many details right now, and generally speaking, what's in store for the athletic Buffalo? I mean, if anyone out here listening right now needs motivation to become a subscriber who hasn't heard a lot about it before, drop some knowledge on them. What's going to be in store that's going to make people want to subscribe to the athletic? I think in this day and age, there's so much information that's out there on social media. You know, if you can fit something into a tweet, great. You're going to get that. You're going to get the stories that really you don't get to see every day. I mean, the athletic, you know, our concept is not game recaps. And here's your starting goaltender tonight. You know, it's the stories that maybe have gotten lost in the cracks throughout the years of so many guys just staying on the beat and telling the story of, you know, what's happening right now. There is going to be a lot of that, what's happening now, but it's going to be just different dynamics, more behind the scenes looks at the team. Um, maybe, you know, there will be uh, stories uh, or have a little bit more of a historical perspective to them that are certainly more of that human interest angle. Um, so, you know, what I do for the athletic is going to be completely different than what John does from the Sabres side of things, what Tim does from the Sabres and Bill's side of things, and what Matt does from the Bill side of things, where, you know, I'm still going to be more or less on that player analysis side. If there's a story to tell at a human interest level about the prospects, I'm going to do so. But I think that, that it's not going to be your, you know, run of the mill game beat. Here's what happened in the second period, you know, power play goal, blah, blah, blah. There's more stories about the personalities of the players and about what makes them the human beings that so many people look up to as sports fans. That's really the goal of what we're doing here. But you're going to get a mix of everything. I mean, you can't just tell only those stories. You got to still have your finger on the pulse of the team. So we just want to get a little more deeper with our coverage. And that's really what, as a consumer, now I consume The Athletic before being a member of the team. Me that's too. what I always found in, interesting about the content that they produced. I agree with you 100%. And I'm really looking forward to reading what you guys write in the coming days, weeks, and months. All right, let's turn our attention to Rasmus Dahlin. I'm going to get killed by my listeners if I don't start talking about him. And I apologize ahead of time because you've probably been asked some of these questions a million times. I'm surprised you even have a voice with the NHL draft coming this week of many interviews and stuff you've probably done. So when you're watching the NHL draft lottery on TV and you see Bill Daly flip that Sabres logo over and it reveals that they have the top pick, what was your instant reaction? Because, you know, we've been used to in Buffalo having the best odds but not winning the lottery. So what was your, you know, your first thoughts when you're like, holy shit, man. We actually got the first pick this time. Yeah, you know, it was genuine happiness for the fans. Um, truly, you know, leading up to that lottery, um, you don't want to set people up for disappointment. But, you know, I think through time, you know, I can speak for myself growing up watching this team and, you know, watching games as a kid with my father. And, you know, you, you have really good uh, historical perspective on what this franchise has been through. And regardless of what you think about their business plan that they set forth to do in 2013, uh, you know, it was, it, this fan base has been through so much. And I just think that there's a, a genuine, genuine happiness that I have for those fans that put so much, they have so much emotional investment, financial investment, frankly, into their team. Sure. And for them to actually finally win something, even though it wasn't a game, you can't measure it in the standings. You know what I mean? It's right. just, it's representative of, I think, hope 
for the team moving forward. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, this, this fan base just needed that so much. There's just been so much ugliness surrounding this team for the past five years that maybe, you know, collectively the fan base, I don't care what side of that stupid tank you were on, they can come through it and just start enjoying hockey again, because I don't think that a lot of people enjoyed hockey again. So that, that was really the first thing that came to my mind was just the fans. I couldn't agree with you more. And I hate to bring up politics, in any type of discussion, but it kind of felt like a Trump Hillary thing to me. You know what I mean? Over these last couple of years, you're a pro yeah. tanker, you're an anti tanker. Everyone's fighting with each other. No one's enjoying the team. I mean, granted, there wasn't a lot of on ice to enjoy about them, but that's one thing. But off the ice, I mean, just the fans going at it with each other, it was really ugly. So I'm hoping that maybe this will be the start of some reconciliation. And you know what I mean? The fan base could start to be a little more united. Let me ask you this because diehards, and of course, you know, people who follow you already know plenty about Darlene's skill set. But there are many casual fans listening to this right now who don't know anything about the rookie prospects, you know, that haven't played in the league. So for mm-hmm. those fans, just explain just a little bit the skill set that this kid possesses. You know, he, he is a prodigy defensive prospect. Okay. So you're looking at a kid that's over six foot two and he's 185 pounds. He has a pro body, but he's uh, just got this elite microchip in his brain for how he processes the game. And when you can process the game that fast, you're capable of special things, especially when you have equally fast hands and feet. This kid can skate. You know, I've, I've made a comparison in the past that he's almost like the queen on that chessboard hmm. where, you know, it starts on the back line. It can move up and down the board freely and it can do everything that all the other pieces on the board can do. I'm not trying to oversell Rasmus Dahlin, but he is a very special player. He has the capability to uh, give every player on this team a lift once he makes adjustments. And, he's, and you know, he's going to have to adjust to the NHL game. There's no way around it. There's not one player, I don't think, that hasn't had to endure that learning curve. His is going to be a short adjustment period, though, because he's already been playing against men for a year and a half, and he's produced results. So, you know, I think that the little things that you want to see him work on moving forward are just that ability to make decisions quicker, to uh, be able to be out there in all situations because to date, you know, he really hasn't been a penalty killer and that's okay for now. You know, when he's playing professional hockey, you have guys that are 28, 29 years old on his team that are more than capable of going out there and playing four on five. You know what I mean? Sure. But I think that's a club that he has in his bag, but no, I mean, he is, um, he's very electrifying with his puck skills, his stick handling, where when you watch his, his moves, it's almost like he's a forward. Well, this is a defenseman. And the Sabres haven't been able to get the puck out of their zone for the past couple of years. So his his uh, impact on the team is immeasurable in terms of how he helps a guy like Jack Eichel, how he helps a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen. But it really, it, it cascades down to everybody. I see every player on this team getting a lift just by having a guy on the, in the roster who's that young, who someday is going to be able to play 25, 28 minutes a night. As great of a prospect as Darlene is, and as much buzz as he's created, do you think it would even be bigger were he Canadian, you know what I mean? Like the Connor McDavid, you know, everyone going gaga over him a couple of years ago outside of Buffalo. It's probably not quite as much as it would be if this kid was Canadian, at least in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. If I am, correct me. No, I think you're absolutely right. If he was Canadian or if he was playing in Canadian junior leagues, the hype would be McDavid level because you don't see defensemen that can do what he does. That's just, that's just how it is. Um, 
you know, even Eric Carlson, he he was drafted 15th overall. He was a high rising prospect in his draft class. He only made it up to 15 and look at the guy now, right. You know, um, Darlene, if he was here in this day and age, in this age of information, social media, it would be McDavid all over again. I don't think there's any question about it, whether he was Swedish playing in Canada or, oh my God, if he was Canadian, (laughs) I mean, holy crap, you know, um, I don't think there's any question that the hype would reach that level. As long as the kid stays healthy, okay? And let's play devil's advocate here for just a second. What do you think his floor is? Meaning, you know, even worst case, not worst case, but even semi-worst case, he's this type of player. Drew Doughty. And Drew Doughty's a perennial all-star. Yeah. And so that I think I think you're speaking to, you know, a can't-miss prospect. Am I pinning my ass to the wall right now saying that this guy is, you know, his floor is a perennial all-star? Probably. I probably am. But right now, I see no reason to suggest otherwise, um, given the fact what he's done. And you just listen to his teammates and his coaches, and they talk about how they haven't seen a player accomplish the things on the ice that this kid has as a 17-year-old. Um, I, I have no reason to pump the brakes on the hype. And trust me, I, I, I said it earlier, Pat, I don't want to oversell it. I get it. I get it. You're creating these lofty goals. And trust me, I've always been this guy that wants to maybe set the bar lower and let these kids overachieve. I just can't bring myself to say that, you know, he's going to be Joe Schmo 10 year defenseman. That's his floor. I think that his floor is a, an all-star type of defenseman and his ceiling is let's just see, let's just see how high he can take it. Talking to Chris Baker from the athletic. I got to get used to saying from the athletic now here from what you've heard and what you know, what's this kid like off the ice? Driven to succeed, driven to become a better player, uh, a warrior in the weight room, and a very mature kid. You know, this is a kid who lived on his own in his mid-teens, you know, when he left home to go and play hockey. I mean, that's a a very mature player. You know, we always talk about, well, you know, Jack Eichel came in, he went to college, you know, it was the first year, you know, well, he was away from his parents when he played for the national program, but, you know, lived with Matt Molson. I wouldn't be surprised if Darlene comes in and is able to live by himself. Now, is that the best move for a kid? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, another continent away. Um, but I mean, it's really about the maturity and that's part of that package that allows you to say these crazy things. Like his floor is an all-star type of player. You know, you're, you're, you're not talking about this superhuman, you know, sometimes you kind of get, it gets away from me where you're describing this kid and, and everything else, but he seems to be the total package. And the fact that he wants to keep getting better is such a scary thought for the 30 teams that aren't going to have this kid. Last question on Darlene, then we'll move on to a couple other things. How important is this kid going to be for the guys in the middle, like Eichel and Middlestat, O'Reilly, assuming, you know, if O'Reilly's still here after the summer, you know, because just like in basketball, you know, the best players make other players around them better. How much better potentially could this kid make, you know, our star centers in the long term as better hockey players because Darlene is on this roster. You know, I've always said that Jack Eichel has had to be a, a one man breakout machine. You know what I mean? Because they just right. haven't had many of those defensemen that could carry the puck out of trouble, matriculated up ice. This kid has the game breaking ability to do that and make the right play. You know, no one to hold on to it, no one to dish it off, no one to lead the attack. No, you know, it's hockey sense. You know when to be the trailer. Um Little things like that, that sense and that having that wits about him uh, takes the heat off of a guy like Eichel, for example. I think Rasmus Ristolainen is going to be a huge beneficiary here. 
because he's been playing over 26 minutes a night mm -hmm. against the opposition's top players. And, you know, once you get Darlene in here and you can spread that out a little bit and he doesn't have to be out there where, you know, maybe he has a little bit more gas in the tank at the end of the game and you can put him out there and he can, you know, Ristolain is not going to have to focus on doing so much and trying to do everything. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that he even has, but I think he's had that weight on his shoulders and that's probably, you know, he wasn't the right guy to have that amount of weight on his shoulders early in his career, despite what his salary number says. Um, so I think those are two examples, Pat. I mean, those are your biggest beneficiaries. And But also, you know, let, let's put it this way. I mean, you, you have guys, um, you know, Middlestat's a great one where he, he, again, doesn't have to be picking up this immense load early in his career. He can be Casey Middlestat and, and focus on doing what he does best and support the D, not maybe trying to come back too far in the zone and, you know, and cheat and, and things like that. I just think that it really has a positive impact on every player that he's out there on the ice with at that time. Let's turn our attention to the Sabres for a few minutes. How do you see this roster playing out over the summer? Do you think there's going to be major roster turnover? Do you see any major trades or acquisitions coming this way? Well, I think that, you know, you, you have to get better in, in your, your support roles. Can't all be Jack Eichel and it can't be all Ryan O'Reilly. Um, we'll talk about O'Reilly for a second. I mean, look, with Casey Middlestack coming in, I don't think there's any question that he and Eichel are going to be your one and two eventually, mm -hmm. but you don't want to put Casey Middlestad in there right now playing uh, in tough matchups and a number two role right away. It's just not prudent for his development. Um, I think that you need to insulate his talent by keeping O'Reilly around. Ideally I'm, I'm cutting the middle on O'Reilly. Frankly, I, I didn't like his comments at the end of the season. This is a guy who's supposed to be a leader and, you can suggest it was calculated. Maybe he wants out and he just can't say he wants out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not in the room. I just don't know. I, I don't like what those comments represented, but the fact of the matter is, is that what's best for the team is that you insulate him. You insulate Middlestad by keeping O'Reilly, or if you replace O'Reilly, you better get another centerman to be able to insulate Middlestad. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's too important to the team moving forward. But no, I think that really, you know, you, you need to get better in your supporting cast. This team needs wingers. You need to replace Evander Kane's speed, his ability to get shots on goal, his shooting ability. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Max Pacioretty. I think he'd be a great fit here. I know that Montreal fans have been disappointed with him. Well, I think they're disappointed with him because they expect more out of their captain in Montreal. If you are able to rescue a guy like Max Pacioretty out of Montreal and all of a sudden he's just a player who can ride shotgun on the wing with one of these talented centermen, you're going to have a regular 30 goal scorer. And it might be one that you could get uh, on a pretty good deal. You know, I don't think you're going to pay him any more than what you're paying Ryan O'Reilly currently. So, you know, I look at, you know, th that's not really a support player patch already, but he's a guy that I think would, that would thrive out of that pressure cooker and you just let him play wing and, and shoot pucks on that. And he can kind of help you get rid of, um, or, you know, help make up for the loss of Kane. But, you know, you can't have, um, you know, slower guys on your bottom six you know if as you work your way down the lineup and your skill decreases as you go down the lineup your speed has to be you know it has to make up for that lack of skill you need to get guys that have character you need to get guys that compete and you need to get guys that are fast i don't know how i rank those three needs for the sabers but i put character and competitiveness right up there with speed i just want guys that are good locker room guys and i think systematically jason botterell has already started making moves you know, Evander Kane was one. You're trying to improve that locker room. I think if they don't uh, qualify Robin Leonard in that, I think that's another move that actually they're looking to make um, to improve their locker room. 
They have a lot of work to do. This team is not close. Okay, so based on that, speaking realistically here, not in fantasy world, realistically, which I'm sure you know very well, what do you think the ceiling is for the Sabres as a team in 2018, 2019? They ain't going to the Stanley Cup. They're not going to be Vegas, and they're not going to be Washington, but what's their ceiling? You know, if everything kind of goes the way you think it could, maybe a little better than what you're hoping it could, what do you think that ceiling is this year? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what I mean. They can only go up. Sure. You know, <laughs> literally, that's literally true. You know, I think their ceiling is, you know, maybe the Colorado Avalanche who made it into the playoffs. That's their ceiling. Um, is it a realistic ceiling? Am I expecting them to get to the playoffs? Let's see what free agency brings and let's see what trade brings. Trade, the, you know, that any trades bring. I mean, right now, I'm not seeing this as a playoff team. Too many question marks right now for me to commit to that. We don't know who the starting goalie is. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we don't know how quickly Rasmus Dahlin is going to ramp up, but I mean, I'm not putting the, the uh, all the attention on Rasmus Dahlin. I'm just saying that, you know, don't expect him to come in here and score 60 points. Don't think that your problems are solved because you're getting the first overall pick and you're going to come out and win 20 of your first 30 games. I'm not expecting that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that ideally, you know, they can get better as the year progresses and ideally they can be better after January one. That's all I'm really expecting out of this team is for them to start growing as a group. That's a very young group. They just need to keep getting better and better. Phil Housley needs to have players that can execute his system. A system is only good as the players that you have to execute it. And I know last year in his first year, he did not have the players that could execute his system. Now you've been in that building many times throughout the years for games. Was this past year as quiet as you can remember it? Because I'll tell you what, I moved down to Florida not too long ago. You know, I still watched a lot of the games on TV. And it felt like there was less than 3,000 fans in the stand sometimes. It was so quiet and dull in there. Was that frustrating for you? You know, also as a, as a hockey fan, not even just a Sabres fan, but a hockey fan, to be in that kind of environment where so many nights, and I'm not blaming the fans, you know, the product sucked. But, you know, was it frustrating for you as a hockey guy just to be in that kind of environment so many nights? Yeah, it was a morgue. You know, yeah. and, but I, but I think that you, you, you know, to your point, and I, I agree with you 100%. The team didn't give the anyone reason to cheer like they do in Nashville or right. Vegas. You know, it's all, you know, it all relates to the product that's out there on the ice and the entertainment value that comes with it. Um, it was, it was depressing. You know, it's a, this is a great sports city. I'm not, I'm not one to suck up or anything like that. You know, but I know. Um, what this town is made of and how much passion they have for their sports. And, you know, going to the arena last year was, it was a pretty depressing environment. I mean, it's been like that for a couple of years now, frankly, it's not just last year. You want to see just a, a team that cares about each other. And that leads to, it leads to results. And I don't even think that the team really had that one for all type of attitude last year and it proved it in the results. So, you know, it starts with the team the fans are always going to come out. I don't think that, you know, Pagula Sports and Entertainment necessarily takes their fans for granted. The fans are always going to be there. It's all about now, you know, getting getting the right team on the ice. And look, I'm not I'm not a game presentation guy either. Right. I'm actually old school. I'm more traditional where it's just like, give me an organ. Mm-hmm. I don't need the top 40 hits. I don't need uh saber tooth banging on the glass or a drum or whatever. I don't need any <laughs> of this crap. Now, I think, though, you know, when I watch a lot of European hockey and those fans don't need that nudging either. But why are they more passionate than Sabres fans? No, they're not. They just 
they're just out there and they support their team and it's just a different it's a different approach over here but you know it, it's um I, I don't have the magic uh, answer I, I can't wave a magic wand over what they need to do to improve the atmosphere although then just put a winning product on the ice and and things will happen from there when it comes to a pair of younger players that I have in mind here um Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste do you think they'll continue to grow as NHL players for this roster or do you think it's a case of what we've seen from them is what we're going to continue to get from them. Well, I think, you know, both of these guys just finished uh, their entry-level contract, you know, so they're restricted free agents about mm-hmm. to enter the negotiation period for their second contracts. Um, th- but they're two players that came in kind of a, a, with a similar mix of skills that are kind of going in different directions. Bailey came in as a scorer. He uh, had a really good second year down there in Rochester. Um you know, 20 goal score. I mean, he, he just was shooting lights out, but he, he's learning now that maybe he's not going to be a scorer if he wants to play in the NHL. Baptiste, I think, already embraced the fact that he's not going to be a scorer. He's a guy that needs to rely on his straight line speed to uh, get in on the forecheck, pressure the puck carrier, try to create turnovers, and, you know, finish his checks, get to the net. He's not going to be a guy that scores over 40 goals like he did in the OHL, you know? Um, Steve Ott had to do the same thing. I think Steve Ott scored 50 goals in the OHL one year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you just have to transform yourself. But those two players, I think part of what we saw last year, though, while they were figuring out what role they need to fill, they may have also been surpassed by other players. I mean, other players even at different forward positions. You know, Baptiste and Bailey are both wingers. I look at a guy like Sean Malone. He's a centerman. Can he play wing if you need him to? Yeah, but he plays with desire. He knows what his role is. He doesn't have a he, he, no quit attitude. You know what I mean? This is a kid who probably, um, you know, maybe overcame uh, ba- Bailey and Baptiste on the pecking order and, and could really fight for a job this year. Meanwhile, while that was happening, Victor Olofsson was over in Sweden leading the league in goals, mostly as a, a power play specialist. But you know what? He can shoot the puck like no other guy that the Sabres have in the system right now. So Bailey and Baptiste have some work to do. Are they done? on their mission of of becoming NHLers? No, but it only gets harder, I think, from here. Now, you mentioned a couple guys there, and I'm not talking about Darlene, of course, because, you know, we already know his place in the organization. But for the more casual fans, again, out there listening, give them a a prospect or two that might be right on the cusp of becoming a Buffalo Sabre, you know, a quality NHL player, or, you know, maybe a really good prospect or two that still may be one or two years away. You know, contrary to popular belief, the Sabres actually have some pretty nice prospects. They just don't have them in abundance, you know. So I think um, a player that you want to keep an eye on coming over here for the first time this year is Rasmus Asplund. He's a left-handed centerman. He's a true two-way centerman. So if we talk about, Pat, how the Sabres need to improve their depth, maybe on the third and fourth lines, this is a guy that probably is too far away from being that ideal third-line centerman. Well-coached, pesky, good speed. He's not going to light the scoreboard up like crazy, but he could play in a very important role down the line. Um, so, you know, you pencil him in for Rochester this year and he can start, you know, learning the ropes, but he's not too far off, in my opinion. Plays the game the right way. You know, Will Borgen, right-handed defenseman. He's coming in and he'll play his first full season this year in Rochester. Should play a lot of minutes down there. He's the opposite of Darlene, you know, where he's not going to be relied upon to put up a ton of offense, but he's very mobile. He's edgy. He's rugged. He'll defend the area in front of his net. He likes to make, uh, you know, he likes to smear guys on the glass, plays the game very hard. And, you know, that mobility will lead to his, his share of offense. He's just not going to be this guy that, you know, takes it coast to coast and leads the rush. 
those are two players that come to mind. I mean, you know, I don't want to focus on Brendan Gooley, who fans have already seen, etc. But, you know, there's another player that was, um, you know, one of the first picks. Actually, I think he was the first pick in the second round last year. Marcus Davidson played for um, Sweden in the World Juniors this year. Sabres picked him up. Um, and he developed really nicely this year. Again, he's more of a third or fourth line guy, maybe down the line, but you can move him up the lineup if you have to play him down in the wing. He's a natural centerman, finishes his hits, just creates a lot of chaos around the net by the way that he's just pesky and he can score. I mean, this kid um, played a checking line role for Sweden, the world juniors last year, went back to his professional team. He was played in Sweden's top professional division last year and had 17 points in his last 27 games. That's a guy who's moving in the right direction, but it's all about how you compete and play the game the right way. And these guys that I mentioned do that. And I think that's why the Sabres like them moving forward. Chris Baker giving us an education right now. You know, I should ask you this earlier too. I forgot. What are your thoughts on an expansion team like Vegas going all the way to the Stanley cup final this year? Is this something that you enjoyed or do you think it's something that's bad for hockey? What's your thought on that? I really loved watching people melt down over the success that Vegas was having this year. <laughs> I think it was great for the game. I think you're selling the game to new fans. I think it was important for the NHL to be the first team in that Vegas market where there are so many people there. I don't care if they're transplants or not. This was a group of guys that, and I'm telling the story that people already know here, but we just need to rehash it for a second. I can't think of a greater group of underdogs based on how they were all. Every single player was cast off by their previous team. Sure. And just, you know, we talk about it. What did I say about the Sabres earlier? You just want to see guys that are playing for each other. They're all, you know, tugging on that rope in the same direction. That's an example of professional sports, what Vegas did this year. You can overcome a lot of things. Sometimes, uh, what is it, hard work, uh, you know, outworks, uh, I forget, you know, you know the saying I was talking about, about yeah. outwork skill when skill isn't working, whatever the case. I mean, they, they banded together, they rolled four lines, and look what they did. It was an amazing accomplishment, and I thought it was just a, a great story. I was, you know, up until Washington got into the Stanley Cup final, I was rooting for Vegas. I have friends that work in the, uh, you know, friends of the family, really, that work in the Washington organization in their hockey department, where it was really hard for me to root against Washington. But, I mean, if it was Tampa and Vegas, I was all in in Vegas. Everyone who loves the Sabres or even those who hate them know the work that you do and how you've become that go-to guy for anything and everything, especially prospect related. No, you've been around for quite a while, but sometimes it feels like you came out of nowhere. I know that's not the case. So let me ask you this. Are you from Buffalo? Like not a lot of people know a lot about you. Everyone knows what you do, but I don't often hear interviews about you having the opportunity to talk about yourself a little bit. So tell the listeners right now, where are you from originally? And where did you grow up? You know, I grew up in Hamburg, New York. Um, and, you know, I'm doing this interview from my house right now in the village of Hamburg. Um, you know, I went to Frontier High School. Um, so I actually, I live in enemy territory now. I'm living in the Hamburg High School school district. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, class of 94, you know, so I'm revealing my age here. I'm in my early 40s. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Buffalo born and raised. I left, uh, you know, I went to the University of Maryland in College Park uh, for a number of years there after high school. Um, took a little bit of a break. You know, I was a hockey guy growing up, you know, played the game competitively. Um, I had, a, you know, I'm the last of five boys. We're all, you know, we're all K's. That's how I got stuck with this Chris with a K thing. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I had a brother that played D1 hockey at Colgate University. They went to the national championship in the late 80s, lost to the University of Wisconsin. You know, he was a high-level goalie. Uh, his story you can find out there uh, in terms of, you know, there's even a, you know, he's written books about it. And, you know, there's a movie made about his life because he just had some crazy health issues. But, you know, coming back to Buffalo after I was uh, down in Maryland, I had to get out and live my life a little bit. Sure. I got away from the game. You get unplugged from the game. Coming back to Buffalo just kind of breathed some life back into my passion for hockey. You know, I was always around the game. I was a rink rat. Um, if I wasn't playing, I was on the bench for my brother's teams and I was around coaches. And, you know, if I wasn't playing it, I was a student. But like I said, life kind of got away from me a little bit there and, you know, came back and just had to kind of restart some things and figure out what I wanted to do in life. And I wanted to be part of hockey and, um, you know, not being part in being disconnected from the game for so long. You, you, you just I wanted to figure out, you know, I was always a draft nut as well. I always identified with those younger players that were pursuing the dream right. of trying to get to the NHL. It was, a, it was an important pursuit. I mean, I saw so many kids do it. that were, you know, either, you know, peers of my brother or just being around a D one program. I always identified with that goal. And, you know, there, there was a lot of backstory with why I stopped playing hockey, but, you know, maybe now you almost live vicariously through those kids, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Sure. As you're, as you're watching them, chase that that goal and um it, it's always been something like i said i've identified with riding the buses and and so on it's just an important pursuit that i decided to attach myself to and um you know so after writing for other independent websites covering prospects uh, to, in 2008 i just thought there was an opening to um start my own site and provide daily updates on the prospects and and really and honest to god pat i mean i started a blog to help myself keep track of what was going on. <laughs> I saw, and, I sort of remember yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and from there, I mean, it just kind of, you know, took off. I mean, it, it was just, you know, I'll, I'll always be grateful to a couple people. You know, I remember starting my site January 19th, 2008 <laughs> and um, setting it up and, and there was Buffalo blog, Kevin Pritchard. I remember. I just sent him a note and just said, Hey, you know, I, I'd be, you know, it'd be really cool if you took a look at this. I'm trying to do something different. And he actually wrote about it, you know, and, and plugged it. And it was just like the coolest thing. I'll always be, you know, grateful to that guy. Um, you know, through time, you know, just staying at it. I, my, my whole motto was to be consistent and be reliable. And, um, you know, through time, you know, Kevin Snow, who was working for the Buffalo News or uh, Buffalo Sabres, excuse me, um, was the first person, first person from the Sabres to reach out and just show appreciation for what I was doing. You know, it drops a little bit of gasoline on each time someone recognizes the effort that you're putting in. Sure. And, um, you know, from there, you know, Snowy was was really good to me, um, eventually brought me in to the Sabres to start providing content there. And, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Kevin Sylvester and Jeremy White were among the first two guys to put me on the radio. I'll always be grateful and loyal to a certain extent, I think, to those guys for helping me do greater things than what I ever thought, you know, with hockey. So it's really cool. I remember meeting you for the first time at the first Buffalo Sabres blogger summit back when yeah. uh, back when Ted Black was team president. I remember yeah. meeting you then. Remember, remember, that was pretty cool. I mean, they were trying to schmooze up to us a little bit, you know, get good relationships between bloggers because blogging was a growing thing, you know, in the team. If you remember that, remember they had food, they gave us some beer and stuff like that. 
But I, I remember I met you and I, I was like, yo, I knew what you were doing then, but man, your star has really taken off since then. So it's really cool to see what you've done right now. There's so many blogs out there and some of them are really good. They really are. But what you do is just so unique to anything else that's out there. You're like in a category of your own when it comes to what you do. Well, I think part of it, it wasn't just, you know, the whole rigmarole about, you know, identifying with the young player and their pursuit or anything like that. I mean, you know, there was this whole idea that prospects are a spoke in the wheel of the whole team. And it was just underserved and undercovered. And even right. if I was writing for a website before that would only allow me to do a prospect update once a month, I just didn't think that was enough. And, you know, you, you, you identify an area of need you know, it's underserved and undermarketed and you just want to attack it. And that's maybe the entrepreneurial spirit that's in me. Um, but I wanted to go after it and go after it in full force. And, you know, like I said, it's not just these other guys that helped me along the way that I previously mentioned. I mean, you know, through time, you know, there's scouts out there that, um, uh, that wanted to talk to you and make you feel like, you know, your information was valuable. That's another thing that just kind of keeps you going. You know, and it, it, I, I realized, I think at the time it was unique. I never really thought there'd be longevity or any semblance of even a career that would come out of it. And I mean, in full disclosure, you know, I still work a, a, a job for a Fortune 500 company, you mm -hmm. know, managing a very big book of business. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to pretend, you know what I mean, that I do this full time. You know, I mean, so, you know, it's a constant challenge from a work life balance perspective. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend may not be excited you know, all the time about, you know, you're watching hockey again. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll always love you more than baseball. You know, <laughs> that's what I tell her. Did you ever, when you were growing up, was it hockey and hockey only for you? Or did you like playing or doing other sports? You know, I, I played a lot of sports, you know, I played a lot of hockey. I played a lot of baseball. You know, I think part of the reason, and again, I'm not going to really do this deep psychoanalysis of myself or anything like that, <laughs> but I think that, you know, our, our father was pretty hard driving. And um, I, I had to kind of, you know, do something different. You know, my father had a tendency, I think, to be, you know, he just wanted to tell all the other parents how great we were. You know what I mean? My brother and myself. And um, I had to break away from that. You know, and maybe that's one of those regrets, you know, that you have. Um, I, I felt like I was a, a fairly talented hockey player. But, you know, I ended up playing other sports, you know, and, and playing volleyball for Frontier High School for a great, you know, uh, uh, many years, for four years of varsity there. You know, picked up tennis just on the side and you know, a couple of years later, you know, find myself playing doubles, you know, in the New York state high school tournament, you know, I mean, really? if, you know, so there was a lot of different sports that I like to tackle, but, you know, I think part of it though, with, you know, doing all those other sports was I, I wanted to be away and, and do some things on my own and be a little more independent where, you know, my brother was the star, you know, he was always the star playing hockey. It's not like I didn't want to follow in his footsteps, but like when I started playing these other sports, I didn't want my father around. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted to do some things on my own. So yeah, I just did a lot of different sports and it was, you know, to this day, I try to do different things. You know, it's like I'm it's never ending pursuit of something different. <laughs> All right. Now, like <laughs> I have with every interview, I'm going to end it the same way, a little mini lightning round. All I'm going to do is ask you a handful of random questions, not too much thinking required. Whatever pops in your mind first, just let it fly. All right, cool. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> All right, your all-time favorite hockey player? Peter Forsberg. Favorite non-hockey or sports-related activity to do? Oh, man. I love golfing. 
Well, technically that's sports. Oh, no, it's, it's sports. Yeah, You're not the boy. first one who said yeah. Trust me, half, half the people who I have on this show say golfing. Yeah, you know, because I don't think it's a sport, I guess. All right, yeah, subconscious. we can have that debate. No, I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, I, I think just like having a really good conversation with another human being. It's a lost art these days. Absolutely. Favorite city to visit? Oh, man. You know, <laughs> Chicago. What's your favorite sports movie ever? Slapshot. Okay. Without a doubt. Second, yeah. second last question here. If Twitter sent you a note and said, yo, Chris, you're only allowed to follow one person on Twitter and one person only, who would it be and why? <laughs> oh, man. Only one. Um, <laughs> uh, the tweet of God, because I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty sick, twisted guy. And it's not, <laughs> it has nothing to do with any kind of religious affiliations. I just think that that's a very funny Twitter account. <laughs> Fair and there's enough. some wisdom and there's and there's some wisdom in there too, by the way. Last question here, same one I ask everyone. Three <laughs> dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, who you got? Oh man. Um you know, I I uh you know George Carlin, uh Howard Stern, and uh, you know, as much as I would like to say my dad, I I wanna throw uh I think Bill Clinton in there because, and I'll tell you what, that's not a political answer. You know, I just think Bill Clinton's had a pretty interesting life. And I think having Stern and Carlin at the table with them. Wow. Yeah. Could could bring out some pretty interesting conversation. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. All right. Chris Baker, everyone really exciting time for him and Sabres fans and Buffalo fans in general. Best of luck, buddy. I know you're going to continue to do great work for the athletic. You're going to kill it. So thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Pat, thanks for having me, man. This was uh, really fun to do, and, and I appreciate it. And good luck to you as well. This is really cool what you're doing. All right, new segment time here. We're going to call this The Running With Joe, and we'll do this from time to time. I'm joined by <laughs> semi-retired Buffalo sports blogger and the Dale Hunter of Twitter, Joe from Buffalo Winds. What's going on, Joe? Nice to finally hook up with you for this after we've been talking about this forever, so it's finally cool to get you on here and uh, do a little podcasting with me. Thanks, man. And for the record, I am retired but as the million dollar man says, everybody's got a price. <laughs> All right. This is our first segment together. This is actually our first time talking together. So this is kind of cool. And it feels a little bit like a TV pilot. So real quick, before we get going, let me set the vibe a little bit. Joe's one of my biggest frenemies. He grew up in Buffalo, but he's been living in New York City for quite some time now. I'm kind of jealous of that, by the way. He runs Buffalo Wins blog, but he probably only actually blogs about as often as Brock Lesnar wrestles. To me, he's far better known for his very blunt and sometimes outrageous Twitter takes. Not sure if he hates Donald Trump or Russ Brandon more, but it's definitely close. But in all seriousness, you know, in all seriousness, he's a really good follow on Twitter. You should be following him at Buffalo Wins. That sounds pretty accurate, bro. Uh, yes. Yes, it sounds completely accurate. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, I would say not Brock Lesnar wrestle. I would say at this point, it's it's more like uh, uh, CM Punk at this point. Like two <laughs> fights for like five years now. That's where 
it's at now. And every time I, I blog, it's like CM Punk. I get my ass whipped. You know, no, no one cares. No, just... we'll get into your Twittering in a few minutes for that, though. All right. Listen, this is a serious topic here we're talking about today. You know, for all the ball busting we do talking to each other on Twitter and Facebook, I know that you have your finger on the pulse of the Buffalo sports media really well. And the Buffalo News started showing some serious cracks in the sports department, went over the past couple weeks, and for a variety of reasons too, John Vogel, Buggy Gleason, Bob Desari, and of course, Sully, Jerry Sullivan all left. That crack got far bigger when Tim Graham announced on Twitter he was done last week. And then, of course, it came the huge news this past Monday that not only was the Buffalo Athletic live, but that Vogel and Graham were on board with it, along with, of course, Matt Fairborn full-time. I want to get your take on the state of the Buffalo News after everything that's happened over this past month. What do, what do you think is going on at the Buffalo News right now? Well, I think I think what you have there is they for if you read the if you read I think the I think I forgot what the website is called I think it's called the Buffalo Post had um a story out there basically kind of stating that they're having issues when it comes to digital subscriptions and uh, they're not making as much money off of off of the website like they did before right or like they have in the past uh, the BN Blitz I guess has not sold that well. And I think they're just having this is the first time in like 40 years, I guess, that they have they're losing money. Mm-hmm. So I think they're obviously kind of panicking. I think some of the writers there who, you know, they didn't take they weren't, you know, they just told them, hey, the, the writers said, hey, we want buyouts, basically. And they're like, OK, yeah, here's a buyout, you know, in terms of getting leaving. Um, I think what you have is creatively with the Buffalo News, I've always felt and I'm just talking about the sports. I don't know much about you know the other stuff like arts. You know, the art section or whatever the case right. I'm just talking sports. Uh, I've always felt that a big problem with the sports department is that it's been the, that way. It's been the same people forever. It, it has. Like Bucky, Sully, even you can go to Vic, Mark Gone. Like those guys have been there since I was a kid. And I'm 38 years old, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care how negative or positive you are. After 20, 20 years of doing the same thing, it goes in one ear and out the other for a lot of people. And I think that, you know, that may have been why digital, you know, subscriptions were down. People were just were just not clicking on their articles as much. And I don't want to put Twitter in as like the main focus group. It is in itself kind of a niche. Like, you know, I still know people who are my age who don't who are Bills fans and they don't go on Twitter at all. You know what I mean? So right. if, if I'm just going through my feed, it just it, it, it felt like a lot of people just were not reading some of their stuff, some of their columns anymore, like like they did maybe six, seven years ago. Um, I think that was a problem. I think like if you don't evolve and you don't have fresh takes from different people, it gets old after a while. You know, I work in, uh, you know, I work in, I live in New York. I work in television and like the reality TV world. And I can tell you that a big thing that, that they care about when it comes to communications is demographics and age. They they want people who are in that like, you know, 24 to 38 realm when it comes to talent on TV. I could bring them like the Duck Dynasty of whatever, Pawn Stars mixed together. But if those people are like over 50 and older, they're going to say, yeah, that's they're great storytellers, but they're old. And I think that kind of goes into the, the, the framework of like being a sport, a columnist, that if you're there for too long, it just goes out one year, not the other. And it's it's. I could predict, like, I could easily have predicted a lot of the columns that, you know, 
they would write about because I've read their stuff over the years and I have, you know, it's just like, okay, like I've, I've read this. And I think that is the, that was a problem for them. And also they're just, when it comes down to like the money elements of it, aside from like digital subscriptions, the reason why a lot of newspapers are losing money is like, you know, back in the day, like we're talking like the nineties or whatever, they had, you had so many ways to make money off newspapers besides buying the actual paper. You had it to where you have the classified section. Well, Hey, I need to, I need to put in a job posting, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, whatever cooks in, in, in the bar scene or whatever, or you're like, I need to sell my car or I need to rent out this apartment. That shit is gone. Like no one's putting that stuff in the paper anymore. They're putting it on Craigslist, Monster.com. It's all online. So they're, they're losing money that way. And additionally, when it comes to, you know, these websites, you know, and you, I know you dabbled into it a little bit when you when you had Sports Daily, you know, Buffalo Sports Daily back in the day. You know, if when it comes to like advertising, what, what can I offer a consumer? Like, hey, you want to go advertise on my website? Hey, I'm going to give you a, a board, you know, with your logo on the side of the article or at the top. Like people who go to websites and they see pop-ups, they get annoyed by those. Sure. Like they close them out and like, get the hell out of here. Like you don't, you don't really care for that. That's a problem right now that those ads are having because it's those, those companies are like, why should I advertise on a website when it's better for me to like advertise on the radio or on television, you know, when you're listening and you're watching and you know, that sort of stuff, when it's just, you have a pop-up or you have a banner at the top, it's, 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 it's losing money, unfortunately for the paper, you know, for the website. And I think, you know, what the news should, should do and what they kind of messed up originally was they should just go all paywall because you can't be half pregnant, man, as, as Rex yeah. Ryan once said. You got to go you, – you're either paid subscription or you're not. And if I were them, I would go paid because I think you have to understand – I don't know how many people read – I don't know how much you read, Pat, in terms of sports coverage. I have kind of evolved over the years where I don't read as many articles as I used to because I just get everything on Twitter. I get press conference recaps on Twitter. I get, you know, people and their takes on Twitter. Steph, I don't have to read an article anymore. I don't have to go to a message board. I don't have to do a website like we just talked about. I don't have to blog. Like, I get all of that stuff on on Twitter for the most part. I mean, and yes, there's some trash on there, but I could funnel through the trash and just go, okay, yeah, I, got, I know exactly what happened at this press conference and, you know, for a Bill's interview. And you know, you, it's, it's hard. It's like that double-edged sword where you're trying to get, if you're like a web, website writer, to get people to go from Twitter to that website. You know, because it's 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 like if you're if you live on Twitter and then it's like, okay, well, why do I have to follow, why do I have to read your stuff? I can just read your tweets. I can just read your takes. You know, on Twitter and whatnot. So that's that's where they're in, they're a little bit in trouble again with like what they what they did. Now, this doesn't mean it's like they're R.I.P. You know, in terms of like. It really depends what talent they bring in next, and if they bring in if they bring in talent from outside, which I, that's what I'm kind of hoping they do, like bring in some new voices, people who are, have established credentials, who you know. One, I always make fun of this on Twitter. I hate the blue collar, lunch pal narrative. I felt that Sully and Bucky broke that. They beat that narrative into the freaking ground with like, oh, Buffalo Lonians, they they respect the tough. Blue collar, <laughs> lunch pal, guy, grr, grr, grr. it's like, okay, you know what? Sorry, my, my dad maybe respects that, but I, I that's lame. You know, it's just, it's just trite at this point. I want to have someone who comes in, knows how to tell a story. They can kind of think outside the box. They're good at social media, and give me some new voices. But like, you know, obviously, if they're coming, if they're established, that would be great. Look, 
They brought in some people that I genuinely liked. You know, Tyler Dunn I liked when they brought him in from from Green Bay. Um, Kim Martin I liked when she was there for like three months as a columnist. I don't think they're dead yet in that front. They have a lot of work to do. Well, I don't, you know, I don't want to pretend to know all the details. There was a buyout window for certain guys at a certain point that at least two of the four definitely took advantage of. Again, I don't want to get into too many specific details because it's kind of, at this point, it's like, why cry over spilled milk? You know what I'm saying? What's happened has already happened. Now, you brought up a lot of good points. And one thing I completely agree with you with is I don't understand the Buffalo News paywall anymore because yeah, right, I don't if, either. if you're going to pay for football, for an example, why don't why not pay for sports? Because when it comes to especially football, let's be honest here. It's the, I like Jay Skirsky's work. I like Vic's work. I, I love Tim's work and stuff like that. But you know what? When it comes to football, there's just so many things out there, man. I could read Matt Fairborn when he was at New York Upstate. I can make read uh, Mike Rodak from ESPN. I can read Sal Capaccio from WGR, and I could keep going on and on and on. Hockey, I don't think that was the case. Hockey, there's not a lot of good mainstream sites or you know publications out there where you could read consistently good hockey. I never understood why I had to pay money to read a Jay Skursky, uh, you know, Bill's mailbag article when I'm reading Mike Mike Harrington or John Vogel. Saber hockey features and game recaps on the night before, which I read more than ever this year because I didn't want to watch that fucking dumpster of a hockey team this year. You know what I mean? But I wanted to yeah. keep up with them. So I spent probably more time reading Harrington and Vogel articles this year than I ever have. So yeah, if there's one thing that I completely agree with you is that, man, I just don't get that paywall. We'll circle back to the news in a second. Before I get to that, though, I wanted to get your opinion on the staff that the athletics put together. Um, I think it's a good staff. I, I know if, if I was if I was created, I probably would go with the talent they have. I know some people, you know, with Tim Graham, I always feel like t- if I'm judging by Twitter and again, I'm not I'm not, you know, focusing on, you know, calling my friend going, what do you think of Tim Graham? Uh, but like if I'm judging my Twitter, Graham has this. There's there's a lot of love, but there's a lot of hate. You sure. know, it's, it's definitely you either love him or you hate him kind of thing. And I don't. And that's. I don't think that's like how you would describe like Sully or Bucky. I think more people don't like them than than like them. Uh, but like you know, I think a lot of people have always liked Vogel. You know, and you know, in, in terms of Sabers coverage, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does there. It seems like he's very happy. Like just judging by his Twitter, he seems, you know, very happy to be there. You know, maybe it will motivate him more. Who knows? I mean, and that's not a slap at what he did before. That's just saying like you know, you get. In, you, you go somewhere else and you're kind of like, oh, hey, it's, it's like, you know, going into Oz. Uh, mm-hmm. Fairburn, I love Fairburn. I think he's the man. I will. I don't put that many people over in the Buffalo media ever. I will put Fairburn up there on like the Mount Rushmore of like Bill's guys. Like, he's a he's rising man. star. He's a big time. He's yeah. a rising star. You could see it coming. Yes, he's 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 really good. He's he his podcast with Joe Biscaglio is awesome. It's the best. Uh, I'm glad they're and, and I'm glad they're continuing their podcast. I will say though, and this is kind of like that double edged sword. Like, if I want to pay for the athletic to to hear to read Matt Fairburn's takes, I can just listen to his podcast to hear that. What else is there? I mean, in terms of the staff, I think it's good. If, if there's anything, I kind of wish they could have maybe done is to maybe get a different voice in there and maybe they will eventually. It's a good staff. I think, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many people pay for it. Cause like, obviously if you, you know, the news has 
you know, they had issues with the Blitz and they've had issues with people buying the subscription, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people pay to get kind of. But at least, look, they're pregnant. They're not half pregnant. They're pregnant. You want to read their shit? You got to go and buy it. Well, I think there's two things that I see with the Buffalo News right now that has them in a lot of trouble. And I think to a, at least in a certain extent, why they are where they're at. Number one, you know, we mentioned Matt Fairborn or, you know, let's, let's get off Matt for a second here. Let's talk John Vogel. Okay. I like John. John's a great writer. He's by the way, he's going to be on the, on the show in a couple of weeks, but him and Mike are kind of interchangeable. You know what I mean? They're both really good at what they do. I can read a Mike Harrington game story or feature on a player and John and all the same to me. I like both of them. Tim Graham, another one, you know, he's, he's regarded as the best feature writer in the area, if not one of the best in the nation. And he deserves it because he is. The Buffalo News will hire someone. It might not be quite as good as Tim Graham, but the news is going to hire somebody who writes good feature stories that we'll get a lot out of. Here's where I think the Buffalo News drops the ball, though. These are the low-key moves that the Athletic made, and that's getting Chris Baker and Eric Turner from Cover One. This is something the Buffalo News, in my opinion, badly, badly, badly lacks. It's all game recaps and stories. I want X's and O's. I want all 22 on a more consistent basis. Not all 22, but versions of that, you know, variations of that. And with hockey, like I said, Chris, with the, with the way he knows um, prospects and stuff like that, it's just different. It's something different. And I just think the Buffalo News is lacking when it comes to that. You know, go out and hire your next John Vogel and hire your next Tim Graham. But you know what? Go out and hire another Chris, uh, Chris Baker type. Somebody who's going to bring something different than what they do right now. That's one thing. Another thing, and I said this on another podcast I was on earlier this week. Uh, I got to plug it here. 716 Sports Podcast. Great podcast. And I talked about this as well. I, why don't they have a podcast? A consistent one. Now, I know Jay and Vic do one during the season weekly, but that's it, man. They don't do nothing else in the rest of the year. They should have a podcast. You said it yourself. You know, these things are growing. Why don't they have a podcast like every weekday? And it would, you could have your sports talk and things like that. But you could also, you know, it's an opportunity to have your staff on regularly and then the listeners get to know them a little better. You know what I mean? And they become a little more likable. You could get to know their personalities a little bit. So I think it's those little things that are different that would make them unique that to this point anyway, maybe that'll change, but they're not doing. And I think that's why they're kind of falling behind the times right now. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have a website... And you're right. No one wants to read game recaps. I don't need to read a, a story from Sean McDermott's press conference because, again, Twitter. I can read all that. I can I can see the game. It's it's the the quotes. They don't matter anymore unless you get like an exclusive interview. You know, a Q and A with someone like you know like you got. That's it. Um, I think with a website like the BN Blitz or something, I think you need to have everyone have. You have to have a niche. Okay, right. I think that's what what hits home. Like if I were if I was in charge of, and I'll just give like a little like preview of like if I was in charge of like this, the BN Blitz, I would have like a gambling fantasy football expert. I would have a person do like all twenty twos. I would have someone who, hey, I want you. This is going back to last year. I want you to cover Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, all those quarterbacks that are high that's supposed to go high next year. I want you to talk to watch their games on Saturday and do a recap. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. like, I think you need to have niches. I think what the, the Blitz does and what a lot of websites do, they they fall into this 
hey, I just I just need to post something really quick. Like that's all I care about. Like, oh hey, the, you know, I, I always make this joke. Like you know, oh Erin Kelly is getting married and she's having her bachelorette party this weekend per Instagram. Let's post that. And I'm like, why am I gonna pay? Two ninety nine to read that on your site when I know it's on Instagram, right? Or like, oh, this ESPN guy said this, or this, like, that's what they care about. They care about posting like fifteen stories of like anything as you know innocuous as like this guy said this, or this was on Twitter. It's just it's and they I think they need to do more original like breakdowns, analysis, stuff like that. You know, that's that's how, and I'm not gonna pretend I have all the damn answers. I, look, I just told you that I wasn't making much money off the Buffalo Wind site or anything like that, so what the fuck do I know? <laughs> but I can just tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty savvy when it comes to wanting to, what I wanna read, and I wanna read something different. And I think that's what they needed. They need a little bit of niches and a podcast network. Now, you, at, you said like, kind of like, why don't they have a podcast? I think there there's a little bit of this. There are people I think there, or even sports writers in general, that just don't really want to evolve. They don't want to do more work because they're used to the work they used to do, and they're not getting paid more. That could be a problem. So they may say, like you know, you know, Pat, fuck that. I don't want to. I don't want to do a podcast. I'm not getting paid extra to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's always about dollars and cents. You know, and they have the union there, and the union there is very. You know, they're they're pretty powerful. I mean. If you remember back when the BN Blitz launched and they had a bunch of freelancers posting there, the 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 union basically, you know, kind of poo pooed on it and was like, "Yeah, this is bad because they could they could fire." I, I don't know what they said to articulate it like accurate, but they were not happy about it, you know. And I could I could just freestyle. They probably weren't happy because if those freelancers got big, they can let go of the people they currently have, and those freelancers they can pay dick, you know what I mean? And that's. That's kind of, I think, you know, that 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 kind of got the, the blitz off on the bad foot. And I think that's sometimes where the problem is. I don't think people want to overdo it. And I'm not saying, like, they're lazy or whatever the case may be. But, like, you know, to, to quote Hyman Roth, this is the life you fucking chose. <laughs> and if you want to keep doing this, you got to evolve and you got to do more work. I work in, I you know, TV. I work in reality TV. I, I do casting. I find talent. It used to be back in the day I would just call people and be like, oh, hey. I would pitch people to the network and go, what do you think? Pick them. Now I have to Skype video them. I have to edit the video down. So I got to do like edit, I got to do editing stuff. I don't want to do editing stuff. I'd rather have someone else edit it, and editors make money, and I don't get paid extra. But they're they're gonna find someone else. You know, it's just a twenty four seven news cycle now, especially with sports coverage, and you got to evolve with that. And I thought the news didn't like. I'll keep harping this, man. Like Bucky and Sully were not good on Twitter. They were terrible on Twitter. I used to be. I used to be in Bucky and Sully's chats way back in the day. They used to have covered live chats. I don't know if you ever went in there. Yeah, I did. They I had remember. them from like you remember them. They had them from like 2007 to 2011, and they were pretty engaging in there. Even if you came in there and you disagreed with them, they would tell they would kind of go back to back and forth with you. It was pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. And like I, you know, I don't really care for their 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 opinions now, but it was cool then. And I thought when they would go on Twitter, oh, hey, it's going to be kind of like the same thing. Because if you're doing a chat, that's that's what Twitter is. It's a chat. You know what I mean? And them coming on there, you could just tell that they did not want to go on there. Like, they would just drop to – like, Sully wouldn't even at people. Like, you know, like, that's that's not cool, man. Like, you know, you have to be elite, you have to be engaging sometimes. You know what I mean? And, and I don't care. Like, he may have been like a, like a dinosaur with that sort of shit. But, like, 
Come on, man. My mom's 73 years old and she knows how to do Facebook, okay? And she's from Italy and she barely knows English and can read. Like, he could figure out fucking Twitter. For part of the reason that you say, this is where I kind of disagree with you, I think that media needs to spend less time on Twitter engaging with people because I think it makes them less likable. I've had a lot of media people on this podcast and I always ask them the same questions, you know, their takes on social media. And I'm not talking just local. I'm talking a lot of national people. And more and more, I hear them talking about how they stay away. I mean, they recognize that, you know, they put their stories on. Of course they do. They have to with their links and stuff like that. But don't get involved with the banner because to me, it just ends up making you far less likable. You know, two very big culprits of that right here in Buffalo on opposite sides of the battle lines right now are are Mike Carrington and Tim Graham. And I have talked to them, you know, on my podcast to both of them. I'm like, why do you guys engage on Twitter? It's a bad look. Because, and let me rephrase this to her or preface this by saying this. It's easy for us to say that because we don't have any level of, uh, I don't want to say stardom, but notoriety. People really don't give a shit what I say. And people really don't, for the most part, give a shit what you say either. You know, but when Tim says something, he gets 50, 70, 80 comments every time he posts something. You know what I mean? So maybe if you had enough dumb comments, you'd probably start firing. Well, you do. (laughs) You fire back if you have two comments. The point being is you don't have anything to gain by being ticky-tack with fans. Some of them who are legitimately don't like you and are calling you out. And some who, I mean, let's face it, they're just trolls. They're only doing it to try to get a, to try to get a response out of you. Nothing more and nothing less. See, I think Twitter, like I said, it's a great place for work promotion. But let's not kid ourselves, man. And, and like I said, we do stuff like this too. Calling someone out, it just... It doesn't help you and it's not a good look for you and it just doesn't make you likable. Well, so that's where I, you have to just, Pat, that's where you just have to mute people. Like, I, I don't I don't agree with, like, they should stay off of it. Like, no, you not stay, stay off. And engage. But, like, if someone's, if someone, like, trolls you and they have, like, an egg avatar, just mute them. Right. You gotta retweet them and go, look at this asshole. Because it's like, okay, great. Like, I'd laugh at that because let's, let's look at it this way. What if, what if I... Like was running like the Sabres Twitter handle, or I'm running the Mighty Taco Twitter handle, and people are trolling my handle, and I'm t- and I'm yelling at them back. What would happen? I would get fired. Right. Even if the guy said like "fuck you," you're you know go back to Italy or something like that, and I said back to them, "go to hell." Who's getting who's getting who's getting axed? Me. And that's why that's the and that's that's an issue. I think it it bleeds into people's like perception because sometimes you want me to pay for your site, you want me to pay for your takes. Sometimes you have to like that person, genuinely like them. You know, it's that's it's popularity contest sometimes, man. It's a fair like, it's, you, it's a fair statement. I don't agree with that because I, I mean I'm different. I really don't give a shit what someone's like. I care about the product that they put out. You know, I use this example all the time. If you go to a little mini plaza and you have two sub shops right there, okay, one of them has a douchebag hipster. You know what I mean? You hate his guts. He's an asshole. But you know what? That food is great. And then the other one next door. They have the coolest staff, the, the nicest staff, but that food tastes like shit. At the end of the day, where are you going? I'll deal with the asshole and I'll read and I'll eat the good food. That's how I feel about getting my content too. I don't necessarily care if I like Jerry Sullivan or not. You know what I mean? I don't care if I like Bucky or not. Now, some people don't like them and they don't like their work. And that's perfectly understandable to each their own. But I just don't buy that whole, oh, I don't like you, so I'm not going to read your shit. To me, you're shortchanging yourself. I care about the content and I'm the just, quality. I'm, that's fine. You you can you can be object. Hey, I get that. Hey, there's there's 
players in the NFL who are complete douchebags, but as long as they're there on Sunday and they're playing well, right. I'm cool with them. But I know there's people on Twitter who who feel that way. Okay, Plenty there are people on Twitter. There are people who feel like Tim Graham, and and look, I like Tim Graham's writing, you know. But there are people who can't get over how he is on social media. They because like he, he he can be he hasn't been. I'll admit this. He, I don't think he's been as I don't know. I remember like a couple of years ago, he was just like retweeting everyone and just he was kind of a jerk to people. And but I, I don't I don't think again it goes back to I think people do care. I think it's you have to want to like certain people. I think there are people who like John Vogel, not just because of his writing, but they think John's like the nice guy on Twitter and they think Harrington's an asshole. I really think that. Like, there are people who, who do that. I get what you're saying. Hey, you know, I don't care if he's an asshole on Twitter. I just want to read the, I just want to read their stuff. But there are people who are just like, eh, you know, he's a dick on Twitter. Fuck that. I don't need to read his stuff. I'll go, I'll go to another guy. You know what I mean? So I think that know. goes back to my what I was saying before. Why ain't keeping gay and and then you had a good counterpoint too. Just fucking mute him. I get that. Or or don't don't engage trolls. Mute them quietly. You don't have to say, oh, I'm blocking you, I'm muting you, whatever. Just go ahead and do it. It's just a yeah. bad look for me. It's a bad it used to be it used to be funny. Like originally, I think I thought maybe like seven years ago when Twitter took off, I thought it was I remember Sal Mariano used to do it all the time. He would just rip people and I was like, oh, this this is kind of funny. And then then after a while, I'm like, this is fucking old. And then everyone else started, it kind of like, everyone kind of dogpiles on it a bit, you know, when it comes to that, you know, and I, and, you know, it's just, it's just, and it's not even like trolls, like sometimes like, you know, I don't know if you're ever going to talk, like, ask me like, you know, what, what, what are my issues sometimes with like media or, you know, sometimes I have an issue with, there's a lot of straw man arguments that are made where it's a constant, let's look for like the lunatic fringe who like, you know, feel something completely outlandish like they're like you know it's usually if you listen to a, if you listen to a talk radio show or you li- read a column whenever someone says like some fans feel i always i hear that and i go okay let's see let's see what the straw man is or this general this over-the-top statement it will be like oh some fans feel that jack eichel's a bust and he he should score 70 goals this year and he should trade him or or something like that and like that is what twitter does a lot where They'll retweet some guy who has a horrible point of view, and then they'll, in the back of their heads, if you're a writer, writer, you think, oh, this is your typical fan who thinks that. And I like to, I like to have a, re- a writer who, or a talk show host, talk, talk to me, talk to your audience, and as if you think they're very smart, instead of looking for like the lunatic who is just like, you know, I, uh, you know, there's some fans who think Nathan Peterman is going to throw 4,000 yards or whatever the case may be. I, and, and it's those people who call in a talk show hosts or talk who, who call in the talk shows who just have horrible opinions. And I think sometimes that point of view gets just amped up. You take that kernel of truth and then you blow it up into like, this is what the common fan thinks. And it's like, no, I, I mean, fuck them. I don't want to, I don't want to have, I don't want to have like the lunatic fringe anywhere near my like you know when you're talking to me like i like it to be a smart engage not everything has to be a debate where you you're trying to find a point of view that is something that you know an idiot would have you know what i mean so you can bury them one more thing one more question here before we get out of here and wrap this up we all know or at least people who follow buffalo wins on twitter knows that you live for media on media crime especially when it's buffalo media so what was your reaction on Monday when Tim Graham called out Mike Harrington on Twitter? 
pasted a couple of his texts and stuff like that. <laughs> very public. Before you answer to, it was tough for me. I got to add this. It was tough for me to see because I am, and everyone knows this, and, and you know, against, uh, not everyone likes to hear this, but I'm a big fan of both of them. I really, I respect the hell out of Mike. And I know a lot of people have, you know, uh, he's a mixed bag, but Mike's been nothing but cool to me from day one. And I have, I can't, I can't say enough about Tim. Tim's probably done more for me when it comes to media stuff than anyone in the media over the last at least 10 years, if not even further than that, actually about 15 years. So I really like them both. And it sucked for me personally to see that. But I mean, clearly, listen, if it wasn't, I don't know the reasoning. I don't want to pretend to know all the reasoning, but to me, that's like, all right, the war line, the battle lines have been drawn now. It's the athletic on one side. It's the news on the other. Bam, here comes the clash. Tim, in my opinion, that was, I lo- again, I love Tim, but that, that was a low blow and it was unnecessary. What's your take on it? Yeah, it was, it was a low blow, but at the same time, Mike has to know who he's messing with. Okay, I've always, I've, I've said this before. You do not mess with Tim Graham. Yeah, but, I saw that when, when but, him and Matthew Collar had their feud. Right. With him calling ECC and doing that, like, you have to know, like, Here's if you're going to send, like, a text to him, you know, like, and, 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 and Harrington's text was a little, was, was kind of all over the place. Like, it was like, I like you, I respect you, but I should have fucking fired you. <laughs> you could tell he was pissed off. Yeah, he was. And, but you know what? Before finishing that thought, I, I'll, let's say this too. Mike, the day started, all Mike did was post an article saying something you'll only read Exclusive. at the end on the Dennis Potvin interview, which, you know, obviously he, that's a, you know, a, a little bit of a shot there. It's like, hey. I wouldn't say, and I disagree. I don't even think that's a shot. Like, look, you're trying to promote your right, work. Exactly. Like, you're right. I have no, I have no issue with him going, hey, exclusively at the Buffalo News. Here's Potvin. That's his job. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So I, I misspoke there. You're, you're right and I'm wrong there. All he did is post an article and then Tim posted something about, or you could give it away for free on the radio, you know, an hour or two later. I just think that was unnecessary. Again, maybe it's the evil genius of Tim Graham, you know, I, trying I, to stir well, stuff up. Thinking, you know how a wrestler is. He wants, you're drawing heat. Maybe that's the object. That was the object of the day. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe there's something deep and personal underlying between them two. I don't pretend to know that. And again, I am, you won't find a bigger Tim Graham fan than me. Everyone knows that. But I just thought it was a low blow and I thought it was unnecessary. I think, again, you, you, you have to know your audience. And like, you're right. Like Tim t- taking that out was, was lame. But you know what? Like, you know, I like, here's the thing, like with me and Mike. Mike, I always have said, like, when I was starting out blogging, like, and there was no one on like the Buffalo media on Twitter, it was Mike who was on there. And I always kind of think of Mike and as kind of like that, uh, this might be a little insulting to him, and I apologize. He's like that drunk uncle for me. Like he's been, he's grandfathered in with it comes to like, <laughs> yeah, he's abrasive on Twitter. He can be an asshole, but you know what? I got history with him. Like when I started blogging, he was on Twitter, and you know, it, it's one thing I, w- I wish I would always do a podcast with him one day and ask him like, because back in the day, like Mike was loved by the bloggers. I don't know if you remember that. I do. He was, he was loved by the Sabers bloggers, and then it completely went shit show. And like, it, like they all like despite like didn't like him, and the only ones who kind of liked him were myself and and Heather when she used to have a website. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Mike, you know he can he can he can get you know he gets very comp- it's he's he's competitive, man. Like that's why he did that tweet saying, "Hey, exclusive here." And you know, Tim took it as, "Oh, you're taking you're coming over on me over here." Then 
you know, and then he, he does the texting. I mean, it was incredible. I'm not going to lie. I was dying laughing. I mean, I, I know you're close to both of them or with Graham, especially, you know, I, I was dying. Well, it's not I mean, that, that I'm close to both the, of them. I just, res- I just have a great deal of respect for both of them. And in Tim's case, he's done a lot for me to help me get my name out there for many years. But having said that again, I, I, I agree. And it was maybe briefly funny. I just thought it was a cheap shot and it was unnecessary. And to me, it's well, there's going to be more to come, man. It's it's a war. It's a it's WCW. This it is, is that was Medusa throwing the championship in the in the in the in the uh, garbage <laughs> bag. What Tim Graham did. That's what it was, man. It's going to be. It's dude. It's going to be. It's going to be on. I've always look. I, I I'll say this to you when it comes to like the athletic with the the Buffalo News has always felt their competition would be the people who were like established writers who went to the games, you know, and they've never had that before in the writing sense. Right. Like, I never, they have always kind of said like, Oh, until someone's coming down there to cover it, that's when they'll get scared. And I, I know that from someone there that has said that to me before. And I think that's why like, it's, it's an, it's a new, it's a new age in terms of like media on media crime right now, because it's, it's, it used to be GR versus the Buffalo news. And, I never really understood that because I thought like one's radio, one's print. Like you know, it's not they're not they're kind of apples and oranges. But now it's like it's on with like with the writing articles. It's just it's going to be hilarious. And you know who the winner is? The winner Me. is is us. And the winner is everyone who's listening to this podcast and everyone who likes to read articles. That's the real winner because. And I'm glad you mentioned as as we head out here the Monday Night Wars when referring back to wrestling in the late '90s because that's what kind of what this is in a way. And I like that. Because it's going to force both sides to do things, to push each other to be better because they want to win. Like I said, in the case of the Buffalo News, they, they got to do some shit differently. We all know they're going to add people. They have to add people. There's no way that they're going to compete as is right now. They're going to add people. But they need to do some things differently. And I think maybe now is when they realize that, well, we better because if we don't, we're going to get our asses kicked. You know what I mean? And then on the athletic side, hey, the Buffalo News is... They got a budget, you know? This isn't a little community newspaper here. They're going to go out. They're going to get some good people. It might not seem like it right now. They seem down and out right now, but they're not. Trust me. They're definitely not. They're going to retool over time, and it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for whoever they bring in, for fans to accept them and stuff like that. But on the athletic side, they're not going to be able to just rest easy and say, okay, well, we got our three, four guys, and we don't have to do anything else. They're going to have to keep improving too. So I think the real winner are people like us who just enjoy sports. Yeah, I'm still I'm I'm still debating if I'm going to buy either subscription. Uh Don't I, be I, fucking cheap, I, dude. I still I still like my Twitter verse where it's just like and again, it's probably cuz I'm old and I'm just like, yeah, I'm you know, I'm I don't know. I I probably have like borderline ADD at this point, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I just read Twitter and that's it. But it is it is a new way. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens and like how much subscriptions Go and like the news, the news has a lot. And like I said, if I were them, I would just say epic, go paywall. And like, hope obvi- you got to bring in a good staff, obviously, and and figure stuff out. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a <laughs> it's a new era. I can't wait. I want more. I want more f- Twitter fights, man. That's why oh, you're gonna get it. That's what, that's what I live for in the off season. Like people get into like Josh Allen OTAs and McCarran, and I hate that shit. Give me some Twitter beefs. That's what I fucking want. Oh, you're going to get it. You're going to get more Tim against Mike or someone else with Jeremy White being the third man in on occasion and and things like that. So you're going to get a lot more. It's definitely something we'll stay on top of in the coming months. So, all right, listen, everyone, Joe from Buffalo Wins. Follow him on Twitter at Buffalo Wins. I'll tell you what, next time I have you on, 
I want to talk wrestling and we'll get in the bills and saber stuff like that too. We'll, we'll flow all kinds of different things. This will become a recurring segment. So stay crazy on Twitter. Don't ever change. Well, change uh, a little bit because you are fucking annoying sometimes. Oh, but, fuck off. Dude. Stop <laughs> kissing people's asses on Twitter. Stop <laughs> retweeting your podcast. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, man. I'm, I'm happy you're doing well with your podcast. I don't know. I don't know how you got good guests, but you know, you must be giving them beer or, or something in Florida. I don't know. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, time to put a bow on this episode. Thanks again to Chris Baker for joining the podcast today. Couldn't be happier for the guy. Getting that gig at The Athletic. Man, it's so well-deserved for him. Chris is talented and smart enough to find his own niche that works. Plus, he's a great guy, so congrats to him again. I also want to thank Joe from Buffalo Winds for coming on and debuting our The Running With Joe segment. That'll be a recurring segment on here from time to time, and I'm sure it's going to be... uh, Joe's going to be pretty interesting, to say the least. Coming up on Monday's show, I have ESPN and SEC Network college football sideline reporter Olivia Harlan on the show. We'll take a deep dive into her career and into her life. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to having her on. Please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show. It's quick. It's easy. It's completely free. All you got to do is click that little subscribe button up on there. New episodes will get sent directly to your phone or your computer. Play it, delete it, do what you want, but subscribe. That's what I care about. I'm trying to get on those elusive Apple charts. So help me out, man. Help me out. Subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. As always, thank you so much for listening. You're really helping this podcast continue to grow. I appreciate it so much. Have a nice, safe weekend. Enjoy the good summer weather. And I'll talk to you guys again on Monday. Peace out.